pray a moment. Lord, um, would you let your love fill our hearts and minds today? That everything we say and everything we do, that all of our thoughts are funneled through the love of God in Jesus Christ. Some of us don't even know what that means yet, Lord. Would you let your love be revealed to us that we might love you in return? Pray this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. In his book, Not a Fan, Kyle Adelman describes an imagined scenario in which a couple is having a DTR conversation. DTR, if you don't know what that stands for, is define the relationship. This is no light matter. This is a serious conversation, a a deep conversation, and probably many of us have had that kind of conversation at some point in our life, maybe with a boyfriend or a girlfriend when things were moving into exclusivity, right? We're not going to see anybody else, just us. Or if you're married, you might remember a conversation that probably led to a later conversation called a proposal when you really said, yes, we're moving that direction. We're moving that direction towards total commitment. I mean, remember a little bit what it might have been like. You said, I'm serious. I'm serious. I really mean this thing. I'm committed to you. Giving you my whole heart. The rest of my life, I just want to be with you. Now imagine, imagine if your significant other responded like this. I love you too. I'm all in. My heart is yours also. I want to be committed and serious. Only there's one condition. I still want to see other people. Wah, wah, wah. (laughs) Somebody after 8 o'clock confessed to me they actually had that conversation that same way. (laughs) Mercy, Jesus, mercy. Sadly, that's often what people do with Jesus, though. We say to him, I'm all in. My heart's yours. You're my one and only. Jesus, Jesus, it's you. But then we live an entirely different way. And one of the clearest places we can see this is when it comes to our money. Like no other thing in life, money in its concreteness rather than abstractness, in its concreteness, tells the story of our lives. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And that's why he talked about money and he talked about possessions more, catch this, this is God talking, more than he talked about heaven and hell combined. That should catch our attention, right? Not not from shame, just it should at the very least capture our attention. Here's my hope this morning, and here's what I would like to invite you to do with me today, right where we're sitting right now, is that we would engage with each other, and we would engage with God, and we would engage with our own hearts over the next few minutes, I hope throughout the whole service, but particularly as we look at this story of the poor widow. 
in Matthew chapter 12, or excuse me, Mark chapter 12, verses 41 through 44. You might take it out. We'll look at some of the verses in just a moment. Let me just say this, though, before I dive into it, is that this particular story, this is just a personal moment. This particular story for me has been incredibly powerful over the years. Not just because it appears in two of the Gospels, like Mark and Luke, and that usually ought to get our attention too, right? Oh, this is showing up more than once. But, but it's just captured my attention over the years, from the first time I read it all throughout, and, and I often find myself coming back to this particular text. And here's why. Because of the way this incident affected Jesus. Because of the way the incident affected Jesus. So let's take out the scripture sheet. I'm going to read a couple verses here. You can follow along. Mark 12, 41. And he, Jesus, sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums, and a poor widow came and put in two small, small copper coins, which make a penny. All right, so Jesus is hanging out in the court of the women, uh, which was a, a very large court, and that's where the treasury was located. It was in the temple. So up on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, the place where the Jewish people came to make their offerings. They came from all over Israel, but they came from all over the world to the temple. Synagogue was back home. That was their local gathering. This is home base. This is central. This is is headquarters, if you will, because the temple of God, where the sacrifice of God, where atonement is made for the sins of the people, happens here. And it was the place that these worshipers came to give their tithes and their offerings. Now, I know most of you know this, but just as a review, a tithe in the Scripture is one-tenth of the income. That means, just for simple math's sake, one dollar out of every ten dollars belongs to God. The first dollar, by the way, of every ten dollars belongs to God. That's what the Bible says. But here's the thing, when you add in the offerings that the Jewish people made, the faithful Jewish worshiper really probably gave one-sixth of their income back to God. And that really starts to mess stuff up, doesn't it? Because like one-tenth is bad enough to some minds, but like one-sixth, wait a minute, somebody's probably calculating the math right now, what's the percentage of that? I don't know, but you know, probably one of our accountants out there's already got the number. What'd you say? 15 point something percent, right? All right, there you go. So, now this is what is ascribed in the law, but here's the thing. Both the prophets and the wisdom literature, so that's like the book of Proverbs, they consistently uphold this, okay? So, this is not like an isolated, oh, one text way back in like, you know, the book of Nehemiah. We don't have to pay too much attention to that one, right? It's all over the place, okay? It's a consistent theme. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10, that was our Old Testament. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of your produce, and then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. When you see repeated themes, this is just a moment of hermeneutics. This is how we 
interpret and understand the biblical text, that's what hermeneutics is, when you see themes repeating themselves throughout the scripture, and particularly those that go from the beginning to the end, those are things to pay attention to. Repetition, repetition, repetition. God's a good teacher. He wants to get our attention, so he repeats himself. Does that make sense? This is basic stuff here, but it's helpful, especially if you're new to the scripture, to understand how to read the book. So, because that theme runs throughout, it's intended to signal to our hearts that it's important. What we do with our money matters because it's part of the story of our lives in the concrete, not in the abstract. Okay, so that's just a little bit of of understanding. We go back to Jesus. He's sitting in the court of the women. In that courtyard, which was also called the treasury, there were 13 big boxes. And those 13 boxes had brass uh, trumpets that came out from them. And those brass trumpets were basically the openings for the offerings to be put into to go down into these boxes to gather. Now, here's the thing. Jesus is watching the people give their offerings. And that alone ought to cause us to pause, right? In, in the Psalms, it often says, Selah. Stop right here, pause a moment, don't blow past this. Jesus is watching the people who are making their offerings. How do you feel about that right now? Just, you don't have to say it out loud. Just, just feel that for a sec. Because if there's some anxiety about that, that Jesus watches how and what people give, and you have a response of anxiety or fear or, you know, a, a condemnation, that would be good, bless you, that would be good to talk to the Lord about. Where is this coming from? What, what is this all about, right? We want to deal with it. We don't want to run past the text. We want it to let the Scripture and the Spirit of God take the text, apply it to our lives so that we might respond as people who not only hear the Word but then do the Word the book of James instructs us. See, if your heart's fearful, if your heart is feeling condemned or feeling anxious, kind of angsty right now, that may mean that may mean that money is competing for first place in your heart. It's trying to nudge Jesus out as your one and only. And it could be that that maybe you haven't yet learned how to rest in grace and to allow the wonderful, powerful, unfathomable love of God to invade you so that you live from that place. And it could be that the enemy, who is a thief and a murderer and a liar, who comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, is trying to steal away through condemnation and accusation the peace that God wants you to have today. So so you have to discern what's going on, what's happening inside. Pay attention to your own hearts so that you might know what God is up to. So Jesus is watching the people give. These 13 boxes, we go back to the text. The end of verse 41, many rich people put in large sums. And a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins which make a penny. Now, okay, get in the text, okay? Use your, use your creative imagination. People all around, packed. The temple was always packed. In, in Jerusalem, people don't 
honor space at all. I've been there. It's like, ah, people all around. Listen, listen, listen. Can you hear the different sounds? As the bags full of gold and full of silver go into those bronze trumpets and land with a thud, boom, probably reverberating around the courtyard, and people stop. Whoa. Man, that must have been impressive. You hear that? Now listen again. Just close your eyes for a minute. Listen. Listen. Two pennies into the brass plate. How many people do you think heard that? Some of you didn't hear it in here. Here's what I think it sounded like in heaven. the father was moved when the father's heart is moved the holy spirit is moved and when the holy spirit is moved jesus is moved he was rocked by those two pennies so much so that he said to the disciples Boys, come here. Fellas, you come here. Come here, guys. Verse 43. Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. Did you catch that? The way that's worded. Is worth more than all of those who are contributing. You see the fullness of that? This isn't about a quantity. Her, her two pennies are worth more than all the people in the courtyard at that moment were putting into the, into the plates. <laughs> and then he explains, verse 44, for they all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. They were not doing anything wrong. There was nothing wrong with what those folks who were putting in lots of money were doing. So don't hear that. That would be a misinterpretation of the text. They were not doing anything wrong. They were doing what the law said. They were fulfilling their duty. But here's the thing. and This is the danger we have in liturgical churches we have this beautiful liturgy that gives us structure to our services, right? We kind of know where we're going. We, we hit these key elements. But like anything, if you're not careful and your heart is not engaged, it can become rote. Just something you do to do your duty. To come in, to get out with nobody getting hurt. Giving can be like that too, can't it? 
especially if you've been doing this thing for a while. You've been walking this faith life out for a while. See, these folks weren't doing anything wrong, but heaven wasn't bonging over what they had done. They were giving out of their abundance, but they weren't giving from their hearts. They were no longer giving from their hearts. But this woman in her poverty gave all she had. Here's the thing. There is a world of difference between I have to and I get to. That is the difference between religion and relationship. That is the difference between the law and grace and love. That is the difference between the old covenant and the new covenant. There's a difference from having a heart of stone and having a heart of flesh. And I've got to tell you, and I just make this confession to you this morning, I have a heart of flesh, but man, over time, sometimes there are places that can get kind of hard. That's not who I really am, but I, I hate it that my, my flesh, that fallen part of me that still exists and is just noisy a lot, can still at times make an awful lot of screaming and shouting I have to is about compulsion. What I get to is about wonder. It's about love. It's about joy. I have to ask questions like this. How much is enough? Is it the net or the gross? What must I do? What must I do? No, no, really, what must I do? I get to, I get to always begins from a place of thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, God. I get to comes from a place of love. Oh, you have loved me. Oh, you have loved me. You have proven your love to me. You have shown your love to me in space and time. And you continually show your love to me. And therefore, I get to. Why? Because I love you. I just love you back. Paul says it in our Philippians lesson, 3, 9, and 10. I get to doesn't come from the law. That's a little bit of a paraphrase of verse 9. But it comes from faith in Christ. And it has its beginning and its end, that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. That's what I get to flows out of this beautiful place of love and has its beginning and end in grace. <laughs> Let me tell you a story about a friend. Um, none of you know her except, except one other person in the room. Uh, There's a woman by the name of Charlene who has gone home to be with the Lord. She was at our, our church in Georgia. And um, Charlene was a large woman. I mean, she was a big gal. Um, in the late 60s, and Charlene had diabetes, and Charlene was very poor. Probably none of us in the natural would choose to change lives with Charlene. Uh, Charlene uh, rode a rascal. Do you know what a rascal is? like a little motorized cart, I guess. And, um, and Charlene lived in uh, this, it's kind of like a poor house. It wasn't just government subsidized, but I mean really poor people lived here. 
and often people getting out of jail. So it wasn't quite a halfway house, but it, it was just, I don't know what to call it other than a poor house. It was a few blocks away from our downtown church where we were, and um, Charlene was interested to find out about Jesus. And so we had an alpha. Alpha's, you know, where people come to find out who is Jesus. And Charlene came, and the only thing I can, I can say, it just doesn't adequately describe it, is that Charlene got whacked with love from God and for God. I mean, she just was, uh, she was just super saved. And I don't mean that in a, in a negative, I mean like saved. Now, Charlene was wonderful as she drove her rascal, she drove in traffic. <laughs> and you could always see her coming like three, four, five blocks away because she had this neon orange flag on the back of that rascal that would wave in the wind. And there's Charlene. I always knew when she was coming. So we started this this evening service. And the reason we did it was because it was kind of an uptight church. And it was really hard for people who didn't look like everybody else to fit in. And so we we just were like, well, let's break down the cultural barriers and let's just make a space where anybody would feel comfortable. And so we had, you know, older people and we had college students and we had a lot of people that Charlene was inviting to this stayed downtown Episcopal church because Charlene was so in love with Jesus, she just couldn't help but invite people. You gotta come, you gotta come. So Charlene asked me, can I, can I serve? Can I help? And she's like, I can't sing, you don't want me up front, that would be painful. I don't play an instrument, I'm not very mobile, what can I do? I was like, Charlene, you can be my usher. And she was like, yes! Charlene would ush. This woman had no guile in her at all. There was just, I mean, she just was, what you saw is what you got. Very simple lady and very happy in the Lord. And so Charlene would take those very formal plates. We're in this very informal setting. We had these very formal plates. And she would just kind of rascal her way down the aisles. And she would not let go of the plates because she knew some of the people she was bringing to church. She was afraid they were going to take money out, not put money in. (laughs) And Charlene, in her just sincerity, if somebody didn't give, she would would shake the plate kind of under their nose as if to say, come on, buddy, you you got more than that. It was totally sincere. And then she would wheel it up as we're getting ready to have communion and celebrate this beautiful act of Jesus's salvation, his death, and his resurrection and communion. And I I haven't shared this too many times, but Charlene, as she would wheel up, and I'd have to come around and go to her, she would always put her offering in last. And it often, like a couple of pennies, maybe a dollar. I kid you not, almost every time she did that, (laughs) this big tear would just roll down her cheek. And I would look at her and I'd go, Lord, I'm giving thousands of times more than she's giving. And I don't know that my heart has ever been like that. Man, I can remember just, you know, all things come of thee, O Lord, and of thine own have we given thee. And she would just about shout that. Charlene lived from I get to in everything she did. In everything she did. 
what story does money say and tell about your heart? And, and if it's a divided story, if Jesus is one among many, as opposed to the one and only, just talk to him about it. Tell him about your fears. Tell him about your concerns. Let him know. And if you struggle with that, say, Jesus, would you help me to be open-handed that I might know the power of your resurrection, that I might know you and the fellowship of sharing in your sufferings? It's not about the amount. It's about a heart that lives in love to the God of the universe. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you're kind and good and your word has power to expose us, dividing even between soul and spirit. And every time we've given, there's a bong in heaven when our hearts, when our hearts are giving to you. Lord, I'd love to hear the bells gonging in my life and our life. Above all else, I want you to have my heart. Do a work in us, Lord. Soften us. Maybe re-soften us to where we once lived. We pray these things with confidence in your goodness because we ask in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ the Lord. Amen.